Welcome to the Brand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions that you can turn around and implement in your business to become a more effective insurance professional. And Chris and I are excited to be joined by Greg Williams from AM Best today, where we're going to be talking about kind of some delegated underwriting authority markets and and how AM Best rates them. So welcome. Tell our listeners more about you. That'd be great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks again for uh, hosting. Uh, my name is Greg Williams. I've been with AM Best now for about 17 years. Uh, right now, I'm a senior director in the ratings department. I'm in charge of a di- division that rates about 150 to 200 insurance companies. And recently, we've uh, delved into the MGA area. So last year, we began assessing uh, delegated underwriting authority enterprises, which encompasses MGAs, MGUs, program administrators, and cover holders. Uh, prior to that, I was with Allstate Insurance Company for about 10 years, both in claims and finance. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we're looking forward to this conversation. I know Chris and I have talked a lot about uh, MGAs in, in the marketplace, and it seems like things are changing. Carriers are doing different things and moving away from the traditional places they've been a lot of times and ceding some ground to MGAs. So, um, Greg, if you want to talk a little bit more about kind of what's happening in the marketplace, the the headwinds, the tailwinds, pluses and minuses of this evolution it seems like we're going through. Yeah, sure. Yeah, When we look at the uh, MGA market, it's really been dynamic. So if you look over the last 10 years on a global basis, premiums um, going through the DUA channel or the MGA channel has doubled. And then you take a look at the U.S. itself. And what we're seeing is really an explosion of premiums going through the DUA channel. So over the last couple of years, uh, probably growth rates somewhere in the mid-teens, which exceeds that of the uh, overall PNC industry. I would think in the U.S. now, DUA premiums encompass maybe upwards of 8 10% of the overall PNC uh, market. So we really have seen an explosion of premium. I think up now we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to $80 billion of premium through these uh, U.S., uh, MGAs, MGUs, and uh, program administrators. So we really have seen the explosion. And, and I mean, some of the uh, tailwinds that's really driving some of the growth, we've seen obviously the hard market. We've seen a hard market really uh, take hold. Uh, we've seen uh, ENS market really explode. And again, if you think about MGAs, they really deal with specialty risks. And that's where ENS market is. So they've benefited from that as well. Um, the talent, we've seen talent migration from maybe established insurance insurance carriers move over to the MGA space, whether it be from an executive type or underwriters or technology. We really have seen an influx of technology that's really helped uh, support the growth that we've seen. We've seen capacity increase uh, for MGAs. Now, again, we'll talk a little bit about the headwind or uh, headwinds in a little bit. But overall, we've seen capacity really support uh, the MGA market, notably the fronting market, the hybrid fronts that we've seen upwards of now 20 hybrid fronts within the market. So, again, we, we really have seen an explosion of premiums. Now, when you think about some of the headwinds that we're seeing, and this is probably more recent is we've seen some capacity issues. We've seen, especially on the property side, property cat, over the last year or so with the reinsurance pricing the way it is, we've seen some capacity uh, problems with uh, cat-exposed property 
that uh, MGAs might have some programs in. Uh, we've seen maybe some reduced commissions given some of the economic conditions. So we've seen some compression of uh, MGA commissions over the recent uh, period. And I think just the general economic conditions right now uh, really are impacting the operations of MGAs. But again, from an A and best perspective, we do an outlook on the MGA sector in the U.S. or on a global basis as well. And so at the end of last year, we did put a positive outlook on the MGA market, uh, citing those positive uh, tailwinds, again, with some cautionary tales uh, with the headwinds. So we'll do that again. We'll take a look at everything at the end of the year and then uh, revise or update that outlook at the end of the year and see where it uh, lands. Chris, what are you seeing um, in in the MGA space, either with, with clients that you work with or the the traditional agencies that you're working with and, and maybe their mix of business going from carriers to, to the MGA space? Business is moving to the MGA space fast. Many parts of the United States, my clients don't have regular property markets available for all practical purposes. So uh, especially along the Gulf Coast, um, it's all in the MGA space right now. And we're seeing it more and more in the West. You, you see it with on the property side because of the fire issues. The carriers, the regular carriers and their blanket, I'll uh, be a little direct here, the idiotic blanket underwriting that they're applying has absolutely forced agents and brokers to go to the talent migration that Greg has um, brought up. Maybe the talent all went to the brokers and the regular company underwriters don't have enough talent to underwrite intelligently any longer. I don't know. I don't know how I explained the, the stupidity of some of the blank, uh, blanket underwriting. But it's gone, going that direction with no two ways about it. And um, I see it continuing to grow. The technology that there, some of them are bringing to the table is, is really innovative. And they're able to move so much more quickly than a regular insurance company that as the hard market subsides, I think this business is going to stick with these more specialty players. I don't think it's going to go back into the regular market like it usually does. That's my that's what I'm seeing at least. So with that, I mean it the the thing shifting and Greg, can you talk a little bit about uh with AMBS now assessing the strength of these these MGAs and and uh maybe the challenges that that you would have. You know, I I I look at um insurance carriers, right? They're they're pretty heavily regulated. Their uh, investments are looked at by by the different state departments of insurance and things. Is is the MGA space like that as well, or how do you get that um, transparency into the data and the the accountability that they have? It's a little bit different than you're used to, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean that that's been probably one of the biggest challenges for us as we as we embarked on this uh, <laughs> journey. I, it really goes back to about five years ago where we started taking a look at the MGA market, saw that, you know what, this is accelerating, becoming a bigger part of the uh, industry. And there was really the lack of transparency <laughs> around these type of entities. You, you didn't know who you were dealing with. 
uh, trying, unless it was part of a publicly traded organization, there was really no information about it. So when we think about the uh, our desire to put a performance assessment on these entities, that, that was one of our biggest concerns. So we reached out to uh, stakeholders throughout uh, the, uh, the landscape, trying to get uh, an idea, okay, what information can we get? What information should we be looking at? And we came up with the methodology maybe about two years ago. We tested that methodology through some beta tests, uh, and we felt we got enough information, and we'll go into that a little bit, uh, to help us make that performance assessment. I, I do think it's important probably to distinguish between our normal credit ratings, where we're uh, where we're evaluating the uh, financial ability of organizations to uh, pay policyholders versus the performance assessment on a DUA side. The, the performance assessment is really um, an evaluation of uh, MGA's ability to provide services to third parties, usually a insurance company. So we're not per se taking a look at their financial wherewithal to, um, to make payments on claims, but we do take a look at their financial condition when we take a look at the overall assessment of the DUAE, that's one of the factors that we take a look at. So, yeah, to your point, it, it is different um, from a credit rating and we look at different factors. But part of what we do is the process, uh, the way we go about assessing DUAs is generally the same process we take a look at credit ratings. Uh, we have ma we have management meetings. We ensure that the DUAEs or MGAs provide us with the financial information that we need to make assessments, provide us loss history on the programs that they write, provide us information on what type of carriers or uh, how long they've been in business with certain carriers from a capacity perspective. So, yeah, definitely there's been some challenges, but I, I think the upfront work that we put into place to get at the information that we need to make that performance assessment has really served us well uh, as we've rolled out this uh, process. So from the from the claims paying side of it, most of that should already be in place if you can find out, say, as a, a traditional Main Street retail agent, I'm working with uh, an MGA, whatever paper they're giving me, I should then be able to go to AMBest to say, okay, does this does this carrier, um, they have a good rating. Are they going to be able to be there when, when needed rather than having the, the performance of the MGAs a, a separate issue? Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, so from an MGA perspective, what um, they'll do is take a look at, so if they want to work with certain insurance carriers, what they can do is reach out uh, to our AM Best website and kind of verify what the ratings on those carriers are. Correct. Chris, from your standpoint, any any questions you see in this, or how do you see um, agencies? Where should they be paying attention to this type of thing? They need to go to the AM Best and look up what uh, the the new rating system on MGAs um, wherever available. And if they're working with MGAs that don't have any kind of uh, rating from AM Best, they need to be asking them MGA when they're going to get one. I think this is one of the most important 
um, security. I, I don't like, I don't know that security is the right word, but um, one of the best developments in our industry to protect policyholders and agents and distributors in a very, very long time. And, uh, w- you know, with the explosion of these MGAs and uh, all the money that's being pumped in, you always get bad characters whenever there's a lot of money flowing anywhere. And um, it's public that we've had our share of bad characters in this space in the last few years, unfortunately. So I'm I'm really glad that AMBES has done this, and I can't wait to see it fully built out. And everybody listening, every agent should be checking out the their MGA's ratings um, on the AMBES website. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate you seeing that because I, I think we feel the same way. I, I mean, I talked about the lack of uh, transparency out there. And as, as you've mentioned, we've seen some bad actors in the MGA space. Again, it's come a long way. There's been no doubt about that. I think there's been, uh, as I mentioned, the talent really has increased in the MGA space. The alignment of interests have with the carriers have has increased without a doubt. But to your point, there are still some bad actors out there. And I, I think over the last uh, few months, what we've seen is some headlines around what's going on uh, within the MGA market, also with the fronting market. And again, I think it just becomes even more critical from a performance assessment standpoint as agents start to work with MGAs. Uh, how, how good is this MGA? Have they been vetted? Yes. And so, again, we, we have maybe, I think, around 15 or 16 uh, legal entities that we have public performance assessments on. We're working on quite a few more. But again, I think now more than ever, uh, to your point, Chris, is that um, this is going to be a distinguish- distinguishing factor. Uh, what we've talked to companies or MGAs about uh, since they've had the performance assessment, it also creates opportunities for them for additional capacity providers because they've gone through this process. Also gives them a competitive advantage from a differentiation standpoint. So again, I, I echo your sentiments, Chris. I, I, I do think now more than ever, it's probably more important. It is. It really is. And if uh, for the people, maybe you have to do business with an MGA that hasn't been rated yet, do some extra due diligence out there. Um, I was looking at one yesterday and, um, they, you know, they were advertising that they're in all 50 States, but they, they didn't have their California license listed. So I'm not sure they're actually operating in all 50 States. Little things do your due diligence. Most of the players are awesome. The ones that are being rated by AM best are the ones that have been vetted thoroughly. Um, but, but do your due diligence. It really is important. Let's let's talk about that the the due diligence piece right and learn from what uh, what AM Best is doing and Greg's looking out. You talked about the those performance assessments um, and how you're you're vetting them. Maybe some recent examples. And then from my own standpoint, something I'm really curious about. And ho- hopefully, you could talk about it. Is is the fronting part of it right? Because you'll get some paper that says, "Hey, it's X Y Z Insurance Company," and you're feeling pretty comfortable. But with a with a fronting arrangement, not necessarily. I mean, there's some some things in the background. Is that part of the performance assessment you can talk about? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe let's start with the factors that go into the performance assessment and then maybe we can transition 
talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the fronting world and some of the issues that have come up recently. But so when we take a look at the performance assessment itself and have discussions and arrive at a performance assessment, there's really key, five key factors that we're looking at to arrive at the performance assessment. Uh, the first one being underwriting capabilities uh, embedded within the DUAE itself or the MGA. We take a look at the uh, DUAE's governance and internal controls. We take a look at, as I mentioned before, the financial condition of the uh, MGA. Uh, we take a look at the organizational talent within the uh, within the DUAE. And finally, we take a look at the depth and breadth of relationships that the DUAE possesses with uh, various uh, capacity providers. So uh, we the first three of those factors are weighted a little bit more heavily. Uh, and then the second, uh, the last two um, are weighted a little uh, less. But once we arrive at the scores for each of those five assessments or five key factors, what we do is roll that up and then arrive at a performance assessment itself. So, and those performance assessments range from PA1, which is ex exceptional, down to PA5, which is weak. So that's that's really the factors that go into it. Uh, what I would encourage the listeners of this podcast to do is reach out uh, or uh, go to our AMBEST website. There's a section for performance assessments, and it really details the methodology and the factors that we uh, look at when arriving to uh, at the overall performance assessment. So th th that's really the overview of the performance. I don't want to get too detailed. Uh, for this podcast. So again, I encourage the listeners to go to our website to learn more about it. Uh, maybe then transitioning uh, to the fronting uh, area. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the MGA premium has really exploded. And that's been helped by the prolifer proliferation of the fronting carriers. So they've uh, been there to help support, to find capacity, to facilitate capacity, for these uh, MGAs. But to your point, uh, the MGAs, um, they write it on the, the fronter will write the uh, policy on their paper, but then they seed it out. So most of the recent entrants into the uh, fronting arena are hybrid fronts, meaning that they maybe take 10, 15, 20% of the risk, and then they seed it out to a panel of reinsurers. So that insurance company is responsible for it, uh, the uh, MGA business, but it, it really does matter what reinsurance they have backing up um, their the risk. So as you've seen, um, we have seen some issues uh, in the market, Vestu, uh, which is an, uh, really an exchange that facilitates reinsurance. We've seen that become an issue with uh, purportedly uh, fraudulent LOCs. So, yeah, to your point, there are other factors when dealing with the front that I think uh, agents need to be aware of and MGAs need to be aware of. Yeah, there's been reading about those letters of credit and things. I think that was kind of a, a, a bit of a shock. Probably didn't come completely out of the blue. You'd have to expect that things are, like that are always floating out there, but uh, yep. that's probably causing some consternation in your life. So, uh, yes, it has. <laughs> Just ask my wife. <laughs> um, 
Chris, any anything else that um, you want to make sure we cover in this? Because it is it is definitely a, a a developing thing, and like you say, I think has a lot of staying power going forward, regardless of what happens in the marketplace. Um, so important to understand. It's important. Um, I still hear people saying, "Well, we can't do business in surplus lines because of this or because of that, or it's scary or what have you." and Really, I think what AMBS has developed here is a way of making that market a lot more secure and a lot safer. Uh, I can't, I really can't express my appreciation enough that they have decided to do this and they've built the system and they're building it out. I really, Greg, I really think this is just a, a wonderful, wonderful development that will help facilitate the growth of new products, I think. I think it's going to help facilitate some more innovation in the underwriting and the pricing sides um, and um, just hopefully make for more dynamic marketplace, but a secure marketplace. And I think that's just so valuable. So I really appreciate AMBS doing this and being part of this today. Great. Absolutely. And uh, other than, encouraging folks to go look at the performance assessment on on your website and and get more familiar with how to how to navigate that and look for those rankings any final thoughts for the for the listeners greg yeah i i think i touched upon it earlier i i just given everything that's taking place right now within the mga market um i think as an organization we do feel that the mga market's here to stay i mean in the past some viewed it as really a soft market play where insurers needed to reach out, try to drum up some business. They would go to the MGA market to get that premium. But as we've seen uh, over the last few years during a hard market, you, you've seen the MGA premiums uh, flourish. So, again, we, we do think the MGA market's here to stay. We do expect growth to continue. And given that and given its significance to the overall uh, PNC industry, we do think it's important that uh, companies and insurance agents know who they're dealing with from an MGA perspective. And I think it's just going to become more and more important as we go forward here. Well, thank you so very much. This has been a, a very enlightening conversation. Um, I've learned a lot, and I know that I need to go brush up on my AM Best uh, website navigation so I can figure out PA1 to 5 rather than a plus plus things like that. So thank you all very much. We appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you next time.